Yeah. Hold on. I'm gonna hold on a second. I'm gonna take off my my bat my name badge. You're so high maintenance. This is the ASMR episode. If you said anything, I didn't hear it. I would never say anything about uh-huh. you to your uh-huh, face. I'm sure. To my face, that's correct. <laughs> Hello and welcome to It's the Greatest Show, Man, the show where we talk about the musicals you love and why they're great and why they suck. I am your host, Brantley Wheeler, and with me as always is my co-host, Emily Chavone. I'm assuming you said something, but everything just glitched. I heard half the intro, and then it sped through what you just said. (laughs) I literally said the entire thing. Do you want me to do it again? You don't have to. If you're recording, I trust that it's there. I just, if you said something to me after what's scripted, didn't hear it. It just went, why they're great? (laughs) Okay. Nope. I said the whole thing, and I was waiting for you to respond, and then you're just like. (laughs) Yeah, I was waiting for the video to catch up. (laughs) Apparently, I never caught up. I thought about this today and thought it would be very f- a very funny thing to talk about because you've talked about taking notes and things like that. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, for anyone out there who is happening to listen to this, you definitely should see the difference between Emily and I about how we take notes. <laughs> because I'll be honest with you, I didn't hardly take any notes at all. <laughs> Did you I save them d- to the drive? No. Oh. I just I just go off the cuff usually. Like I might have like how I take notes is like this. What are we gonna talk about? Cool. Hate like we're gonna talk about Hades Town today, right? So I have Hades Town, and then I have like set, costumes, performances, songs I like, and that's pretty much like all I have written. I don't have any other anything else, except <laughs> like on a couple of occasions where it's a show that I don't really know that well. Something like like we've done Bat Boy, right? I I'll take like a, a quite a few notes about Bat Boy or Company. But I don't really take notes on shows I like and then just kind of go with it <laughs> versus you wow. who you just straight up told me, oh, I take I took um, like, hey, we're getting ready to start. Oh, hold on. I'm I have I'm still taking notes. I have two whole pages of notes. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of stressed out that I only have two pages of notes. <laughs> I I have bullet points that I didn't fill in. The only link that I have is the Wikipedia page, and I'm just terrified that I'm going to forget some of the thoughts that I want to share with you. Well, here's the thing. I have I have multiple. Here's what I normally do. I have a little bit of notes, and then I have multiple web pages pulled up so that I can look and see what do I, if someone want to talk about something specific. I just go to that web page and I can look at it. Yeah, I I have that too, but I also like to have. Like honestly, this could be a fully scripted podcast, and that would make my life a little easier. To be to be totally clear, the depression monster has got me in such a hold that I'm not even anxious. Like that's the level that we're at. But like I'm a tiny bit stressed that I only have two pages of notes. Like I under summary, I have a blank bullet point. So like you're just gonna cover the summary because I didn't write one. Oh, you want me, so you want me to summarize? You're gonna summarize the show, yeah? Because okay. I didn't. I'm not prepared. Okay. 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 <laughs> so we'll talk about this then. All right, so today we are talking about a show that we actually both really liked, and uh, it's not one of our like eternal conflicts of like, I love the show, <laughs> you hate the show, or vice versa. Yes. This is one we both saw and both really, really liked. Yeah. So, Hades Town, right? Yeah, Hades Town. We saw the tour, came through town, uh, what, two, three weeks ago? 
Yeah, like a month something ago like at that. this point. Like a month ago, yeah, somewhere, something like at that. At time of recording. Right, at time of recording. It's been about a month since we've seen it. And, man, it was so, so freaking good. But, okay, so let's talk about what Town is about, in case you haven't seen it. Uh, Town is based off of, uh, well, first off, it is a... Uh, it's a sing-through musical. It's not really like in your traditional kind of your traditional uh, stop and start musical, I guess. I don't know what else to call it there. Uh, but you know, it's a musical with a music book and lyrics by Anais Mitchell, and it tells us version of uh, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, Greek myth. Uh, if you don't know that story, it's real sad. But this story is told in such a way that you're still rooting for them at the end, even though you know how it's going to end, especially if you're familiar with the with the Greek story. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the, to kind of summarize what happens, uh, Eurydice is a young, poor woman who comes into town and she meets Orpheus, who is a young, poor man who is the son of a muse. I think that's right. Yeah, a muse, because not a fate. The fates are different. The fates are in the show. Muse is different. He's, just, he's the son of a muse who is adopted by Hermes in this version of the show. And they fall in love, and he has the ability to uh, make spring return by singing a song. But he becomes so focused on this song that he kind of neglects Eurydice, and she ends up going to Hades for comfort, basically. And, you know, in in not in not so many words... She dies, right? She goes to Hades. She dies. And when Orpheus finds this out, he decides he's going to go into Hades and rescue her. And, you know, to kind of sum up everything here, it doesn't quite work out the way that we always kind of hope it will. Without spoiling too much. (laughs) Sound sound good? Yeah, we can have a spoiler section later. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so do we want to? What do we want to talk about first? Initial well, thoughts. Well, um, I just want to mention like productions, especially because oh, this sure, show is sure. special because it has a very long public history, beginning in two thousand six, um, and evolved from kind of a folk opera to what we know as Hades Town now. And if you're interested in that, just go watch the Wait in the Wings mm-hmm. video because we're not going to do it better than that. Uh, but it's really interesting. Shout out to Wait in the Wings. Yes. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, It opened on Broadway in 2019 and won eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Original Score, and a couple of performance awards. And it also won the Grammy for Best Musical Theater Cast Album, and it's scheduled to open a West End in 2024. Woo! So that's exciting. Um, Notable actors in the original Broadway cast are Reeve Carney as Orpheus, Eva Noblezada as Eurydice, Patrick Page as Hades, Amber Gray as Persephone, and Andre DeShields as Hermes. Uh, but lots of amazing people have played those mm-hmm. parts. And the cast we saw on tour was also excellent. They absolutely were. Yes. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. Though, though, like, do we, I don't know. Do we want, we want to go ahead and talk about that now? We can. We can? Okay. So let's talk about, about, talk about the tour. Um, I know like having watched the Wait in the Wings video and having not seen it on Broadway, I do know some notable changes that they made from the touring version with the set specifically. Because what they do in the Broadway show, they can't really mm-hmm. take on tour, <laughs> right? Like, you know, right. so spoilers for the show, right? Eurydice doesn't make it out. Like how they basically what they have to do is that Hades is like, well, I'll let you leave with her, but she has to walk behind you the entire time. And uh, he's like, okay. And, he, you know, they sing a song about it. But as soon as he exits out of Hades, he turns around to see her 
and she's still in the in the cave, or she's still in Hades, and he's out. So, like one of the stipulations was, if you turn around while she's still here, she stays here forever. Mm-hmm. So she basically just gets sucked back down into Hades, and then that's the end of the story. But uh, I know in the Broadway production, she it, like there's a really cool freaking turntable that they use for like, and it's utilized really really well in the tour as well. But um, I know, like, I believe it was a turntable that had, like, a pit in the middle. And then when he turns around to see her, he steps out and turns and looks at her. And then she just sinks back down into the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, uh, if any of my students are listening to this, we don't condone slime tutorials in this family. But uh, one may or may not have been playing on my phone this morning as I was preparing <laughs> for this recording. Uh, and they use it a lot, that, that turntable. And it, it comes up and down into the floor. So mm-hmm. there were multiple moments that we saw where like Hades and Persephone, for example, are standing in the middle of that turntable and the ensemble is moving around them in the Broadway production that raises up. So they're even like higher above. So you get better sight lines. And then uh, when Persephone first goes back to uh, Hades town with Hades, it drops into the floor. So they utilize that a bunch during the like on Broadway during the show mm-hmm. and obviously they couldn't do that on tour because uh I don't know I just feel like the <laughs> art center would be pissed if you had to cut out their floor every time a tour came through. <laughs> uh prob- probably <laughs> and you know obviously not every not every touring venue is going to have a pit in the floor right uh so well you know what they wound up doing was they just had like this big look like kind of like a garage door almost and then they used that but it, had, it opened a top and a bottom so it kind of like mouthed open and closed yeah or i more or less i don't know i thought that was really effective i didn't i didn't really feel like we lost anything by not having like i get the the thought of hades being the underworld and like her being sucked back down into the underworld but like i didn't really lose anything by not having that effect i thought that was a really creative alternate i agree yeah it was pretty great um i want to just talk about the set for a minute because that whole set is just incredible it's you know designed it's to so look good. kind of like a seedy bar. You know, it's kind of what yeah. it looks like, like an old school kind of like out of time looking seedy bar. And then at some point, all of the walls separate out and they have just these straight columns of light that shoot into the audience like a blinding light. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting that. And that's pretty bomb. Like <laughs> I was yeah. like really impressed. Like, oh, this is like when you're in Hades and all the walls open up and it's it's kind of subverts convention a little bit because you don't think about Hades as being like this overly bright place, but it, it works into context with what they're talking about in the show, like what Hades has done to Hades mm-hmm. town, basically. Then he's made it this, basically made it like a metropolis instead of it being like this seedy, dark underground. I mean, it's still seedy and it's still dark, but instead of being like dark physically it's dark tonally Mm -hmm. and that's just really really cool yeah i i really enjoyed the scenic design like uh i think i I think we talked about this already uh you know off mic but there was one moment in the show and so let me rewind a little bit i've been aware of the show (laughs) since i think fall 2011 and the story behind this is, I know I know you weren't a musical theater major, but you were a theater minor, and so you were probably around enough that this happened to you. 
everyone in a, like a college theater program, they have a show that's like their show, you know, the show that they're obsessed with and they'll talk about mm-hmm. all the time with anyone who will listen. <laughs> sure. And uh, there was a girl in my program, uh, shout out Lindley, she was my roommate at one point. Uh, that was her show. Like Hades Town was her show. And so I feel like probably as soon as I met her, like she was like, do you know Hades Town? And would tell me about it. And so uh, it was very exciting for me, like for Lindley when it came to off Broadway. And then when it did come to Broadway, like I remember hearing like, oh, Hades Town is coming to Broadway and being like, Lindley, your show's coming. Yay. So I've been aware of it and I knew about it in its earlier forms, but I hadn't r- really seen it or anything. Like or dug into it until yeah. uh, I saw it last month, but I am trash for the Tony Awards, and so <laughs> when the 2019 Tonys happened and they performed "Wait for Me," right? Yes, that's the name of that song. Wait for me, yeah. Yes, okay. So they performed "Wait for Me," and something about the imagery of that song just gets like it just gets to me. And I didn't, I mean, I know the the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, like, you root for them, but as a, like, I'm viewing that with an academic lens, I'm like, you know, it's it's not going to be a happy ending, and so I'm not going to cry at the end, because I right. know what's going to happen, but I got real choked up during Waver. It's so, it's just visually stunning. Mm-hmm. There's something about those swinging lanterns. Oh yeah, and that's the lights, one of the like, coolest freaking things in that whole show. There, there are some really basic things. Like I, I do have in my notes here. I'm a <laughs> for a turntable. <laughs> I love a turntable. I love like when the lights hit you in the eyes, and you're like, oh, it's a train. Like it's a train. That's so cool. Like it's so basic. Or like those lights swinging. That's the most basic thing ever. It's just so good. I can't explain why I love it so much. <laughs> Well, man, this, I'm I'm, tr- I'm struggling honestly to figure like what can we talk about? Like I want to keep some semblance of structure in this conversation. Oh, I have a lot of notes. I know you do. Two pages is not enough, Chavon over here. Um, but as far as like what, it's not. <laughs> uh, I I just keep thinking like every time we, like every time I talk about this show with you, it's I just get pictures in my head of like some just really cool stuff that they did, and. I was just like, it's a, it's kind of set related, kind of not. It's mm. this is more of a note or a, a, a commentary on direction versus like set or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, acting choices as well. But um, when Persephone first comes and she sings "Living It Up on Top," right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, Persephone. She like the entire opening of the show. Hades and Persephone are sitting up above everybody else like on a balcony mm-hmm. and then Hermes starts talking and I think it's epic one I think it's that one or epic two it's one of those which one of it which one is it uh I don't know it's epic one so he starts he starts talking in epic one and uh she comes down like this spiral staircase with like her bag of flowers and all this kind of stuff you know spring's coming all that business and um she stands up to leave and he like kisses her hand and then he turns his back Hades turns his back to the audience and opens up a newspaper and he's sitting there just reading it. And you're not meant to be watching him necessarily. You're supposed to be either watching Hermes talk or watching Persephone come down the stairs and I'm sitting here in the angle that I had watching it. She's coming down and he turns his back and puts out this paper and she comes down and starts singing living it up on top. 
And then about halfway through the song, he just very carefully like folds the paper, sets it down, stands up, like adjusts his jacket, and then walks through these double doors off stage. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see him again until you hear the train whistle for, um, I believe it's way down Hadestown. Yeah, it's uh, way down Hadestown is like you hear the train whistle. And then the door opens and he just like walks out. He's got the sunglasses on and all that, all that business. And mm-hmm. the guy that played him on tour, uh, Matthew Patrick Quinn, shout out to that guy. What an incredible performance from that guy. Uh, and but he just comes out and he's just so tall <laughs> compared to everybody else. This guy's got a, I don't know how tall he actually is. And like, if you listen, ever listen to this, Mr. Quinn, and you want to tweet at me and tell you how tall you are or DM me or something, whatever. But like the guy's yeah. got to be like eight feet tall. The He's greatest huge. show podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Hit us up because we're curious about how tall you are. Yeah. Please email us how tall you are. Um, <laughs> no, but he just, he's so perfectly cast in this tour. I mean, I love Patrick Page. I will watch Patrick Page in anything. He's got that like deep buttery voice. That's just like, like chef's kiss. Right. It's, but that's just his natural voice. But Matthew Patrick Quinn, man, he's so good. He's so good in this show. And uh, oof. I don't even know what else I can say. I'm just blown away by his entire performance in this entire show. He's just so stinking good. Yeah, I really enjoy this iteration of Hades as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we all know I love a tall, dark, mysterious man. Shout out to my husband. <laughs> uh, he's also written as like effortlessly cool and like yeah. calculating and temperamental and I don't know something about it I I don't remember a world before like the Disney Hercules movie and that was mm-hmm. that was actually that's the first movie I ever saw in theaters and something about like that oh. version of Hades just speaks to my soul and I feel like this does feel a little bit like that it's He's not, not quite as erratic as, like sassy or sarcastic right he's like and like and uh you know, James Woods, who voiced Hercules in, in the movie, or vo- not Hercules, Hades, ugh, he voiced Hades in the movie. He does a great job, but it's very James. It's a very James Woods performance. Yes. And so I kind of wonder, like, to the people who are older than me and remember a time before Hades was a cartoon with blue fire hair, uh, what was Hades like for other people? Uh, and I say that like I'm a baby. I'm 30. I'm not a baby. But like, what? Right. What what do people think of this character? Because I actually I talked to another teacher in our building, uh, who really hated this version of Hades. Really? Yeah, I was talking with him a little bit about the show, and he said he really hated this version of Hades. Like even down to the costume design and the fact that he had like a tattoo sleeve with bricks on it. it like he hated everything about it, and I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Like I remember sitting at intermission and turning to my husband. And saying, like, where have we seen this guy before? And we spent the entirety of intermission looking him up to be like, we know him from somewhere. Like, we must have seen uh, Matthew Patrick Quinn in another show. Like, we've seen a lot of shows. Surely he's been on a tour and something else we've seen. And I don't think we've seen him in anything before. And so I don't know if that's the character or if that's the actor. Uh, is it just like a testament to how well he played the role that it just it feels familiar? Mm-hmm. Or is the role written in a way where you're like, I know this guy from somewhere <laughs> And it's that's kind of haunting. <laughs> yeah, sure. To be sure. like, oh yeah, like how familiar. Like, of course, Eurydice would go with him. Like, yeah, I know him from somewhere. Yeah, he's got cool sunglasses and a deep buttery voice. I'll go. 
Or if he's worried yeah. about singing la 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 in the corner, like I'm yeah. going with Hades. <laughs> uh, ma'am. Uh but anyway, yeah. There's there is That's, not yeah, not to say that anyone a was single bad. bad thing I can say about this whole show. Nothing was bad. Nothing was bad, but I especially liked his performance. Yeah, especially for him too. And the one thing that is different too, well first I'll say this, the band being on stage and being so heavily like involved in the show is an incredible decision. And I 100% am totally for this all the time. And you're going to probably hate this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It reminded me a little bit of when I saw Rock of Ages on Broadway because, yes, roll your eyes. Could you hear me roll my eyes? I could. I could hear it. <laughs> but here, so the thing with that is like in Rock of Ages, the band is on stage too. Like they introduce the band in Rock of Ages. They introduce them as Stacy Jacks's band, Arsenal. And then they play the opening or whatever. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then granted, in Hadestown, we don't get an introduction to the band. Everyone just kind of comes on stage. And then that trombone player just wah, 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 just goes for it. And from that point on, it's like full steam ahead. You know, all systems go. It's just from like they set the tone for the show. Like the band in combination with Hermes, who in the tour is played by Nathan Lee Graham and who does a phenomenal job with this mm-hmm. with this part. Um and the tone set by the band, like the band is almost its own character. In fact, I think you told me one time that you feel like because you saw it the like a night before, a couple nights before I did, I think. Mm-hmm. And you that you said, Oh, the trombone player is like they're their own character in the show. I, yeah, that's my next bullet point, actually. Like, the trombonist is totally a character. And I wonder, if if you've played trombone in Hadestown, again, at uh, the greatest show podcast at gmail.com, <laughs> uh, is it, like, a brag in the trombone community to be like, yeah, I just got off the tour of Hadestown? Because, like, that's a that's a part. Like, you are you're opening the show. Uh, honestly, like, mm-hmm. not that the rest of the band is unimportant, but the other instruments aren't loud and like brassy like the trombone i think is the instrument that makes this show sound the way that it does Mm -hmm. if you replaced it with anything else like if it was all strings it would be a totally different show so Mm -hmm. that's i would say probably the most important part of the band yeah so it and you have to like get up and dance and like do all the stuff so i'm just wondering like is that a brag in the trombone community or uh, is it only the theater community (laughs) (laughs) because i would put that at the top of my resume i'd be like trombonist Hades town <laughs> well i think i would say that and i think that the pn the pianists do the the most heavy lifting in mm, that show yeah because that like the ragtime to piano style that is on a lot of these numbers as well i think those those two probably i feel like do the most heavy lifting not that i mean but every member of that band is integral to this show for sure yes. there's not a single person in that show that you cannot have yeah. Everything is purposeful with the music. Well, the and show. even the fates play instruments a lot of the time. And as a musician, yeah, that's like true. I do consider myself to be a musician. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on mic before, but I have a lot of music training, like more than theater training, actually. Mm-hmm. So it, I appreciate when you can get three women to sing in tight harmony like that. And then they also play the accordion. <laughs> Or the right. violin, like, right. like you know that these people are trained musicians, and it sometimes feels like we 
as theater people, the theater community, maybe we kind of are okay with being lax in musicianship because we're doing so many other things. And you're like, oh, well, like you could fake playing guitar because someone in the band could play it for you. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate that they when they don't do that. Right. And I think, I mean, Orpheus is really playing that guitar, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like we actually and this is a thing. So talking about speaking of Orpheus. We saw different Orpheuses in the show. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, who do you remember the name of the actor that you I, that you saw? Me, I pulled up the. So I'm looking at the Hadestown website. I'm pretty sure this was the guy. Uh, J. Antonio Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. Okay, so you saw him in the uh-huh. show, and he was and like, what were your thoughts on like his performance? I thought he was great. Uh, he had so. I have also admittedly listened to Reeve Carney sing this, and I am more familiar with his performance just because, like, that's the one I've heard the most. Mm-hmm. And I think Reeve Carney has a very musical theater voice. Right. And J. Antonio right. Rodriguez, uh, I really... I, now I'm not sure if it was him. Um, he has a much more, like, rock-sounding voice, mm-hmm. which I think maybe is more suited to his music. Like the the music that Orpheus has to sing, I I mean I really enjoyed his performance. Um, I think I think it's from the Wait in the Wings video where they talk about like how to make Orpheus likable, and it's by making him like mm-hmm. sweet and simple and like naive. Yeah, and I think he captured that essence really well. Like mm-hmm. like I totally bought it. Whereas I don't know if I buy Reeve Carney as being like sweet and innocent in a teenager question mark because he's not a teenager (laughs) right (laughs) especially next to Eva Noblezada who's got a very like bright musical theater sounding voice and Mm -hmm. I don't think Hannah Whitley was Eurydice when we saw it you don't think so did you you think that was her I think it was I mean do you have your playbill not nearby I might have thrown it away I don't usually hang on to stuff like that I hang um, on to playbills. That's what all I do. Oh, That's one I know. of the things I collect. I never do. I don't. I just don't like stuff. Anyway, I can't remember if it was her or not. Sorry, uh, but her voice was very different tonally. Like it was very dark, mm-hmm. and like a little raspy, which I didn't mind watching the performance. But then this morning, listening to Eva Noblezada, I'm like, oh, I actually think it sounds better. This is I. This was a question I was going to say for later, but we're kind of talking about it now, so I'll bring it up now. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about recasting or like replacement casting in shows? Like what, when you're thinking like, okay, we think about, okay, even Noblezada, Reeve Carney or uh, Eurydice and Orpheus in mm-hmm. the original Broadway cast. So eventually they're probably going to leave the show or, you know, right. the tour or the West end or whatever. So we're going to need to cast new people in these roles. Mm-hmm. But unique performers have unique performances. So, like, what's most important regarding replacement casting? Are we, like, trying to maintain a look or, like, an aesthetic? Or is it the way they sound? Or should we not care? What are your thoughts on that? I think when it comes to, like, like just to use it as an example, stunt casting, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing stunt casting for a show, you're casting that person because of who they are. Um. And so, in that regard, I feel like stunt casting is, um, you're going for a specific person, like how they perform, versus 
staying true to like the presentation of the show. But I think in this particular instance with Hades Town, that I think you want to cast more for tone than you want to do for necessarily like for looks. Um, because, you know, right now, you know, Reeve Carney is Orpheus on Broadway. Um, J. Antonio Rodriguez, not a white guy, right? And when I saw it, it was, uh, and I really hope I am pronouncing this correctly, Chibize Ioma, I think is, is their name. Again, I don't really know, but they're they're a Nigerian-American, and so, you know, they're obviously not Reeve Carney, but tonally, singing-wise, they sound very, very similar, and it doesn't matter to me, like, I think costuming wise like you do want like Orpheus I think probably has the most simple costume of everyone as well unless maybe the ensemble the workers mm-hmm. um, but they change a lot so there's kind of one thing but I think you definitely want to go for more of that of the tone like the, I guess the singing tone and the ability to portray that innocence that Orpheus needs to have right yeah it's kind of like kind of I'm talking about an example like in She Loves Me, it's really easy to make George a dick, right? <laughs> because of like how he's presented in the show. Right. And I think you it's very easy in Hades Town to make Orpheus a very aloof um, or, you know, not or maybe even arrogant to that mm-hmm. point. Uh, but every actor that has pl- that I have seen so far that has played this part has done a really good job of portraying that that naivete like you understand how why Orpheus gets so wrapped up in what he's doing versus thinking like hey idiot stop doing this thing right mm-hmm. and then because it makes you feel like I don't I didn't like for example for me I didn't feel like Orpheus was necessarily neglecting her on purpose but right. I think it's easy to portray it that way and so hats off to all these actors who have have played this part so far and are able to nail that kind of that portrayal of Orpheus that I think is really important for this show too. Yeah, and I think some of that like arrogance comes from the original mythology, but sure. Yeah, I well I, yeah, I think that in a sense is very important too. Orpheus as a character in this show. Um but anyway, so like certain certain things how do I gather your thoughts? Uh, so like Hades, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm aware of three performers who have played Hades. Uh, and I didn't really dig into this. So sorry, Hades Town stands for not knowing every actor who's <laughs> ever played Hades. But here we are. Patrick Page, who I believe is a relatively tall man. Uh, his mm-hmm. understudy from Broadway, who was in the ensemble, who is a very tall man. And then Matthew Patrick Quinn, who is also a very tall man. Are we intentionally casting Mm -hmm. very tall men as Hades or very tall people as Hades Mm -hmm. uh, because we want Hades to be tall? Like, is that is that part of Hades as a character? Is that a character trait? Uh, And this like this brought me on a, a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. So bear with me for a second while we get philosophical. Um. And then, like, lots of things have kind of brought this thought up in my brain this week. Like, uh, the Jimmy Awards were yesterday. And uh, some of the kids talking about, you know, advice that their coaches gave them was to just be themselves and, like, be 
their own unique person because they're never going to sound like someone else. So sound like you. Mm-hmm. And so then that, that like raises the question for me about like when we're recasting shows, do we like how much do we change the character to fit the performer? Like, for example, changing the key of a song. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I do want to be inclusive. I don't want to say someone can't play a part because their voice is not the same as the original performer or what the composer had in mm-hmm. mind per se. Right. And at the amateur level, which is where we spend most of our time, obviously I want to do what's safe for my performers. Um, you know, students, if you're listening, we're not ever going to do Heather's, not just because <laughs> content, because you can't sing it. I'm sorry. It's not safe for you. We're not doing it. But on the other hand, I do feel like voice type is kind of part of certain roles. Mm-hmm. Like Hades is a bass. And as a foil, Orpheus is a tenor. Or like mm-hmm. Christine from Phantom of the Opera is a soprano. Yeah, I don't want a belter playing that part. And um, like obviously the, the biggest example you know that drives me insane is we mm-hmm. lowered the key for Sutton Foster in The Music Man. Uh, but I feel like Marion is a soprano role and there are so few like real soprano roles left on Broadway mm-hmm. or on Broadway period that I don't really like when we would ch- like to change the key, which would then in turn change the voice typing for that character. So like, let's say there's a revival of Hades town in 20 years and now Reeve Carney is inappropriately aged into Hades. Should we make Hades a tenor role now because Reeve Carney can't sing bass? Maybe we just don't cast Reeve Carney. Like not, I think there's value in not every part being for every person. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And I am a tiny bit nervous that what I'm saying is coming. Like, I don't want to get political, but I feel mm-hmm. like this might come off as transphobic <laughs> to be like, uh, a trans woman can't play Marion maybe because she doesn't have the anatomy to play Marion. But like, there are lots of roles and I just think that one's a soprano role. Or, I mean, maybe, maybe Marion's a bad example, and I'm just bitter as a soprano. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we're like, I think, you know, Christine from Phantom of the Opera, like, that's a, I feel like that's an important plot point that she's a soprano. Right. Yeah, it is. So, like, I don't think we should lower that key for a performer who can't sing that part. Like, that's just part of the elitism of Broadway is that, you know, if you, if you can't belt a G sharp five, you don't get to play Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. Like that high note in Gethsemane is part of the demands of that role, and and it goes in both directions. Yeah, sorry, John Legend. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you can't sing that. You can't. And that's like, and I was at, like, just to go on, I, just to go on a tangent. That's something I didn't particularly like about that performance, is because I mean, I thought John Legend was a great. He was a great actor. I liked him as. But he can't sing. He can't sing Bee Gees notes. He's John Legend. I don't remember. Okay, I don't remember that song well. And in I Gethsemane, he sang. He didn't sing the title. He did not. He, he didn't even get close to singing the title. Really? Note. He didn't try because he can't sing remember. it. Here's what I remember from that performance. Okay, this is wow tangent of the century. Uh, number one, I liked Sarah Bareilles, and I mostly I liked her sandals, and I want some. Number two, <laughs> there was a lot of glitter. The stage manager and me would have put a stop to that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Who's going to clean up this glitter? Stop. And number three, Norm Lewis was wasted in that show. Mm-hmm. I liked Brandon Victor Dixon too. <laughs> I, that's really all I remember. <laughs> I remember thinking like, this wasn't bad. And I was being like, too much glitter. And where do I get those sandals? Yeah. Wow. 
Ugh. Anyway, the anyway, point is back like, to Hades Town. <laughs> lowering. So, I'm not inherently opposed to changing the key for a performer. Like the reason I was thinking about this is because uh, Eva Noblezada, uh, who is the original Eurydice, mm-hmm. has a very like she has a very musical theater sound in my opinion. She's got that like she could be a Disney princess too. She's got that light like mix like bright tone, and I just I think her voice is great. And then uh, Hannah Whitley, who we saw on tour has a very different sound and I thought she was equally good in that role and I think for that role it doesn't really matter but then that raises the question of like do we change keys to fit performers and I mean from a like a musician standpoint it is kind of a pain to change the key for the entire band Mm -hmm. like if you listen to pop music you'll notice that things are in the same keys over and over because that's what's easy for the instruments right and so like is it fair to change the key for one person when everyone else would have to change the key? Like the difference, I don't play enough piano, but the difference between C major and D flat major is a big difference on piano and it's annoying. And like, sure, it's just moving your fingers. Whereas like singing is your anatomy, but like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I can't sing it as well as I could if it were in a different key, but is it worth it? I also think... This is a bullet point in my notes. The Levitin effect is real, and it really bothers me when things aren't in the right key. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Levitin effect? I am not. It is, uh, a, there was a study done, uh, it was people who don't have perfect pitch who can recognize when things are in the right key okay. or in the wrong key. And it's real, and it impacts me a lot. I don't have perfect pitch, but I can tell when things are even a half step off. And when I like when I moved from New York to South Carolina for college, things on the radio were in a different key and it drive it, it just they were just like a half step off, but it drove me nuts. <laughs> and so like even like one step off, like F major and G major have different sounds. It's about the timbre. I don't know how to explain it. But then like, you know, C major and D flat major, they have a different sound. Don't tell me they sound the same so my cry to the music people on broadway changing keys please can we use the circle of fifths to pick a tonally appropriate key let's go up a fourth or fifth or down a fourth or fifth uh stop moving things like three semitones i can't i i cannot and that's my music snob uh cry for the day so yeah i'm this is something i'm trying to figure out how i feel about it well i mean I don't know. So, like, I, like, I'll be honest, like, you know, you know this about me. I can't read music. I don't know. I can't even tell when something's off key. Not really, until I'm singing something and you're like, "You're gonna stay in one key," or I don't know, you know. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, oh, I'll try. I don't know what that means. Um, anyway, uh, I guess the only thing I can really contribute to this conversation <laughs> is uh, the st- just stylistic differences, because it's something that we've that we've talked about as well between mm-hmm. uh, a, the, a very specific song in the show. If you kind of know where I'm going with this with a Hey Little Songbird uh-huh. comparing the recorded version of Patrick Page on the album, which sounds very Leonard Cohen-y, right? Yes. It's very kind of like, I'm not even going to attempt to sing that low because I can't, but you know, just like very much like speak singing versus, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Patrick Quinn, who had a much more kind of a jazzy style yeah. of singing it, and that's and and that respect, that's why I don't know if it really matters that much because they didn't do it the same way, and I think that's fine. They both sound great, 
so I don't really, my contribution to this conversation is as far as like doing that, I, as I don't think it matters as long as the intention is there. And I think they nailed that on the tour, you know, um, with Matthew, Pat, Matthew Patrick Quinn, the persona of Hades is more important than how he sings it. Mm-hmm. But it, he should still be a bass. I will agree with that. I do think that he should still be a bass. There are already so few bass roles on Broadway or in musical theater in general that you're doing a disservice to the show by changing that. Right. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to sit on this and we can revisit this in like a year or two and see if I <laughs> hate past me. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that like people have different voice types and like maybe certain roles just aren't suited for certain voices and we shouldn't like i mean the the problem with like like the Sutton Foster and the Music Man thing is that that was a stunt cast right but i think we could have stunt cast someone else in that part i mean Sutton Foster has star power in the theater community i don't really i mean we're in the theater community so i don't know right i don't really live outside of the theater community very much but does do. does she have star power outside of the theater community i don't really think so i don't so. think so i mean honestly like i know who sutton foster is because i'm a theater person too but before shrek i really didn't know who she was oh i did but i did that's okay i but then again you know like i kind of came into this a little bit later not that like I mean, I've loved musicals my whole life, but I grew up watching like golden age musicals. So it's yeah, a little... your favorite musical is Cats. We know. Yeah, yeah. It's you cats. can name you can name every cat, but I can name it? a good handful of the cats. Thank you very oh much. God. You want me to start? I'll do the Joseph Colors no, thing please again. Stop. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, but but like there were other there were sopranos I think who have the same kind of star power within the theater community who could have also played that part. Fair. And, and would have pulled the same draw. I think the the real star power behind that show was Hugh Jackman. Like, that's the name that people outside of the community were going to recognize. Right. And I also don't think he's right for that part, but, like, that's neither here nor there. The, the fact that, like, we changed the key for a performer. It's like, do I don't know how I feel about that. I think at the amateur level, maybe I'm more okay with it because in our case, like, we're working with children. Right. So their health is more important than anything. But on Broadway, I mean, this, there were Sopranos right there. Right. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that that was something like, I. and again, like not to say that, uh, hold on, I got to pull up my cast list again. Hannah Whitley, I like really enjoyed her performance. There was nothing wrong with it. It was very different from Eva, Nobles- Eva Noblezada, but it wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. Like I, I did enjoy. I enjoyed everyone's performance in the show. Yeah, for sure. But it made me think about that stuff. All right. So, I want as we're I, because we're still talking about the cast right now. I'll say this: uh-huh. there's there is a couple things that I don't love about. I have specific thing. There's two very specific things that I didn't particularly care for with the tour, and then one with the Broadway recording. Okay. Okay. And this, I'm probably going to get flack for this, get hate for this. That's okay. Um, but I honestly, I mean, I really liked Nathan Lee Graham as Hermes. I didn't love him. Mm-hmm. When he first started, when he first came out and he started Road to Hell, it was like a, I I have listened to the recording so much with Andre DeShields. 
that I'm used to like kind of like the kind of subtle smoothness that he has with it. Nathan Lee Graham doesn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's just because they're different in performers, but like specifically I'm thinking of the Chugga Chuggas at the very beginning of the song for Road to Hell. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So when you're listening to the recording, it kind of, you kind of glide in a little bit, like tonally, it's kind of a glide in with like Andre DeShields being like chugga, 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 chugga. And it's kind of, kind of glides in and then everyone comes in after that. When I uh-huh. saw it with, with Nathan Lee Graham, it was like being punched in the face <laughs> and in a, in a he, nice he way. He did give a very intense but it performance. Was like, chugga, 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 chugga. It's like immediately, I was like, good God. And it's not to say that I didn't like his performance. I loved his performance, but that I was like, "Oh, okay, we're starting. We're starting here instead of here, and that's fine." You know, starting up high instead of down, down low. You know, it's not great for me to show hand gestures on a podcast, but you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. You know, I was just so engaged in your storytelling that I didn't even realize you weren't talking. <laughs> We're just gesturing. Just gesturing, yeah. But anyway, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and then the other th- issue, I guess it's not an issue, but my other kind of, eh, I don't love it, is with the song Hey Little Songbird on the recording with Patrick Page. I just don't like, I don't, I mean, Leonard Cohen's fine, but there are better versions of Hallelujah, right? So it's like, I just didn't like, didn't necessarily love Patrick Page's delivery of that song i much preferred matthew patrick quinn's version i i do wonder how much of that is direction though because yeah the true. slime tutorial that i definitely didn't seek out had that you know that live performance still had that same kind of like gravelly quality i and i think it's probably one of those things where it's like oh you can do this do it yeah and like the thing is like i don't mind i don't mind that it's yeah, I'm not even gonna like I said. I'm not even gonna attempt it because like, yeah, I can't do it, so I don't want to even attempt. But that's just something I didn't I didn't love about that particular that just that one specific song. Everything else yeah. is great. And again, like I I really enjoyed Matthew Patrick Quinn's performance. Um, please do more things, and I mean I wish him all the best. But I hope he continues to tour and stops nearby where we can see him do more stuff. I don't know what other kind of stuff, but all the stuff. Yeah, and I really would like love to see uh Chibaze Ioma. I want to see him in more stuff too cuz he was incredible. He was a fantastic performer. I would really like to see him do a lot more. And I hope he does, you know. I don't I don't think he's going to be I don't by far do not think he's going to be one and done. Like don't think so. Sure. But he was he's really really great. And I really really liked his performance. Anyway, so what else what's on your what's your next bullet point here? You want to talk about costumes, you want to talk about music, what do you want to talk about? I well, I don't really have any specific like bullet points in that way. As you know, my format is to list the show and then a summary and then highlights for me mm-hmm. and then why it's the greatest show, man, and why it's not. Mm-hmm. And then I usually have another section, which is where I included my recasting. But like, um, but like, I don't know if you want to talk about specific uh, tech elements. Um, well, the tech elements. I mean. I've kind of touched on them a little bit. I do love the fact that Hades is so bright at times when you're in when they're in Hades town like proper. It's super bright and mm-hmm. 
like even sitting sitting in the balcony, I was in the balcony and as an audience member, when those sun at times when those lights came on like so bright that they're literally blinding you. I mean, it's obviously intentional, but that's such a great element to that show. I honestly don't remember remember what number it was in, like what song it's in, but it was a it's just so good. There's there's nothing I just really dislike about this show other than like the two things I mentioned that were kind of just incredibly nitpicky things that were like performance Mm -hmm. or direction maybe instead of like anything uh design wise i did really like hades costume i thought it was it was really cool his uh like you mentioned earlier the uh bricks the brick and mortar sleeve tattoo sleeve that he had Mm -hmm. and also i really liked his his costume is all black and what uh black and silver except for the back of his vest which is like this bright red and i really liked that um i liked mm-hmm. persephone's shift from the green in act one to the black in act two because at that point you know her and hades are more divided and that in act two beginning of act two like she comes out and persephone comes out and sings our lady of the underground and that was great you know but she's wearing all black like she's in mourning during that time right like yeah. Like her, like the life that she had is now kind of left her and now she's wearing black instead of green and like all these really subtle things that they put in the show, um, that are not immediately apparent, but also obvious at the same time. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense as a, as a statement, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's like a lot of that, of that stuff I really enjoyed too. Um, and also, just to say, every song is fire in this show. There's not a bad song in this whole show. I think, and the real standouts for me are going to be like "Road to Hell," "Living It Up on Top," "Way Down Hades Town." Um, when the chips are down is a great song. "Wait for Me," obviously. I mean, they straight up just have merch for that song. So obviously, that's like that's the big one. I think that's the. The big one in the show is Wait For Me. But Way Down Hades Town is also just so, so good. Um, Our Lady of the Underground is a great opener for Act 2. To kind of jump back a little bit, Why We Build the Wall is an incredible closer for Act 1. And I knew that song was in the show, but I didn't know where it would fall. But it's such a good... It, it, the placement of that song in the show is really impactful, you know? And so I thought that was absolutely great. Mm. Um, just... Man, I I do feel like personally that Act One is a little stronger, but Act Two has all like the big emotional beats. Yeah. Save save for Wait for Me, which is obviously an, as right before why we build the wall. So it's in Act One, like right towards the end of Act One. That's a very emotional song, but I don't, it's like it's it's one of those weird things where this show is very much the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, but. They're really not the main focus. I didn't feel like they were the main focus of the story for a lot of the time. Because mm-hmm. it's like it kind of jumps back and forth between them and Hades and Persephone. And then Hermes is there a lot, just kind of walking you through everything. And so, like, it makes sense to me that they would list all five of those characters as being, like, the leads of the show, right? Yeah. Just from just from how it's presented and how it's written. Um, the chants are really great, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, 
and that and I, I gotta say this too shout out to the ensemble of like literally every broadway show every musical they're the freaking meat and potatoes of every show ever and especially in this show the ensemble is doing work in Hades town they're working super hard and i want you to know we see that and like i don't know if you like that's one of those things i always talk to our like our kids about is like how important ensembles are to a show it's like yeah you may not get cast in the lead that's okay like the ensemble is where shows are made or broken in my opinion right i mean obviously you want to have great leads but being in the ensemble is such an important part of making these things work not every show is going to be a show like john and jen where there's just two people and that's it right there are very, very few exceptions, I feel like, to that to that rule of, like, the ensemble needs to have be very, very strong. Because if you don't have a strong ensemble, shows like Hadestown do not work. That's actually, that is a point I wanted to bring up, too. Because, you know, like, being in educational theater, we don't want our students to have this idea. But, like, whether we like it or not, there is a stigma about being, quote, just the ensemble. Right. Unfortunately, and, yeah. Like th- this idea that they are somehow less important because they have fewer lines or featured moments in the show. And unfortunately, I think a lot of shows don't utilize their ensemble well. Mm-hmm. Like there are especially if we think of Golden Age. Yeah, I was about to say Broadway. It's it's like they're backup dancers and singers. Yeah. Like first thing that comes to my mind is like singing in the rain. There are three leads, uh, four leads in that show. Mm hmm. Don Cosmo, uh, and then the two girls. <laughs> I can't take it. Can't so Don and Cosmo. Don and Cosmo, and then uh, the lady Don and Cosmo. No, Lena and uh, and their girlfriends. Um, yeah. Lena and ah, oh, I can't. Debbie Reynolds' and character. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> oh man, I feel so bad for not being able to come up with this. Um, but like those are like the four. Like the show's about those four characters. Yeah. And the ensemble is just kind of there as filler. Um, and I do think that a lot of Golden Age musicals do do that. Um, whether or not that's intentional, I don't th- I don't think so. I think it's just a style of the time. But a lot of shows now, like modern shows nowadays, are are seeing the importance of ensembles and I think pushing it forward more. I think Hadestown's a good example of that. Uh, once for sure, like mm-hmm. the ensemble is also the band. You need to be able to do those things and be such a big part part of the show. So I think I feel like that's changing some. I don't know if it's ever going to ch- yes. change completely, and I don't think it should. You know, because I mean, there are musicals that are very focused on like these two characters or these four characters or whatever, or they're um, what do you call them? They're more like company, where it's kind of everyone kind of has a piece of the pie. Where it's an ensemble show? Where it's an, yeah. <laughs> an ensemble show. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But You didn't see the facial expression when he just like pulled the skin down on his face and rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> Should record the video of this too <sighs> so we can see your distress. Yeah. You can see how much I hate you. You love me. That's not, I've never said that. Mm-hmm. I have it in writing. And I will never say that. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, I do. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I just really appreciate that this show, it has a small cast and I truthfully, I think it probably works better 
in a smaller venue than a big Broadway house. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be one that, I mean, I hope it runs for a long time, but I think if it needs to move to a smaller house, I think it'll be like, like a Peter and the Starcatcher or an Avenue Q where it, it plays really well off Broadway for a while. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it, ensembles are often in golden age musicals, not used to tell the story. It's just a, like a big spectacle moment. And, and I think like the ensemble performers are besides learning all like, you know, a bunch of lines, you don't want weak dancers in your ensemble in a like 42nd street is the one that I'm thinking of. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you need amazing dancers for that show. And there's a lot right, of singing. You need yeah. good singers as well. So, you know, you're you're asking for strong performers. It's just that those performers aren't the ones who are talking in between the dances. So the audience isn't attached to them as much. And that sometimes makes people feel like the ensemble is not as important. And so when a show like Town has a smaller cast and has, you know, these five members of the ensemble, and then I guess you could... I don't know if we would argue for the fates being in the ensemble but they they are equally storytellers right and they're driving that plot and they're featured so well and so i yeah i just really appreciate that um and so yeah that was one of my why i love the show moments um okay i want to talk about the timing a little bit again i don't, don't want to get political right but i think it's really interesting that the wall metaphor exists in the show and right. that it made it to Broadway when it did. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of where you fall politically, like, it definitely engages the audience. And I think that probably contributed to its success. So, and so I think even if it opened now, like, we're, you know, kind of four years, right? Yeah. Tw- it opened in 2019. So we're four years removed. Right. And we are uh, not under the same president anymore. Like, I don't think it would have the same impact. Maybe not. I do remember that being a standout for me the first time I listened to it because it was in the midst of that, uh, yeah. in the midst of the, of that presidency. So I remember that being a definitely something that stuck out to me. And I was curious on how some people would react to that. Um, but I never really heard much about it or like no one ever mentioned anything to me about the significance of that song, or maybe they noticed, but just didn't mention it maybe. Yeah. Because like, I mean the looking at like, you know, the history of the show and like how it came to be and all this kind of thing is that it premiered on Broadway in 2019. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was towards the tail end of, of the presidency there. Right. Well, it's middle. Um, uh, yeah. Middle. Yeah. I was thinking 2016. Um, but yeah, like how long this thing, this musical has been working. When was that show? I see. Look, um, well that, that metaphor was definitely, in the show well before then it was so yeah so it's like like there i know there was a little bit of discourse at one point where people were like oh are we making a political statement and it's like well not intentionally not intentional. yeah i don't i don't consider it being intentional because it's, it's in the 2010 concept album yeah if it's engaging you as an audience member and making you think about stuff i think then that's it's doing a good job sure for sure like and i don't want all light fluffy stuff like I'll, sometimes i like shows that make me think sure for sure and like, you know, the metaphor wasn't lost on me, you know, and I feel like maybe at the mm-hmm. time where it was where it had opened on Broadway, maybe that was more a much more kind of prominent thing and maybe felt more like a political statement. But like I said, looking at like the original production that was in uh, the, the New York Theater Workshop in 2010, um, uh-huh. you know, 
it's been there since then. So it wasn't a new thing, you know? Yeah. I don't really like, honestly, I don't. And like, I know I've done this with, with previous episodes where I would take specific moments of songs that really like spoke to me. There's not really anything in this that I feel like I necessarily need to pull because I like all the songs in the show. <laughs> and it's very much, it is very much like a, a sing through. There's very, very little spoken dialogue in the show. Um, I do I, I, the one part that when that was spoken that did stick out to me though was I think it's before his kiss the riot it's like he starts singing the king of shadows king of shade to Hades mm-hmm. right he sings he sings uh, Orpheus sings king of shadows and he goes oh it's about me you know and I thought that was like kind of a fun moment in the show it's one of the mm-hmm. very few like spoken lines of dialogue that was just like was fun and i honestly am curious whether that's in the script or not i mean surely 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 it is uh but then again i've not seen a script for hades town you can't get one yet so there's that um i would think it probably was because the show i mean hermes comes out talking to the audience and then he addresses the audience and addresses the band and the performers yeah so it's presented in a way like immediately that like, Oh, okay. Well, this is, it's this kind of show, but you're not thrown off by any of the audience interaction stuff. And it's not, and it's nowhere near comparable to something like a susicle where you're in the audience running around and like making jokes and doing that kind of stuff with them. It's not that kind of show and nor should it be presented in that way. At least I don't think so, but I have a love hate relationship with audience interaction stuff. You know, this, I do know this. You know this. Uh, And so there are times I think it's fine and appropriate and times where it's not. And I think Hades Town sets it up in a way to where um, it's like, oh, we're telling you this story. So we are acknowledging your presence. Or I mentioned it once. I'm going to kind of go back to it here. Uh, While I was working there, uh, they did once. Right. And the show started out with the ensemble sitting in the house with the audience. Like they had their instruments and they were sitting out kind of at the back of the house with the audience and they were playing instruments kind of for like as accompaniment to, uh, cause it's set up in the way that the main character, the lead male, I can't remember his, his name, but he's standing up there and he's kind of like busking. Like as the audience was coming in, he's already standing on stage and he's kind of just busking. And then the ensemble who was in the lobby performing would then would come in and sit in the house with their instruments and play there. And then they'd walk onto the stage. And in that was, in that respect, it was pretty cool, but also like they didn't interact with the audience necessarily. They just happened to be there. Okay. So it's kind of different. That's different than say a cat in the hat spraying water on people as he's crying. Like that's different. Right. And, but like trying to compare something like Susical to Hades Town are just so different that like it's I shouldn't even be making that comparison at all. But you get what I'm saying, right? This tangent brought to you by Brantley's hate of Emily's directing style. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't hate your directing style. I just don't think that we need to be in the audience for every single show. Look, I just think some immersion is fun, and with the last show we did, some immersion is there fun. Was immersion it wasn't interactive until the finale but that's fine because the finale is intended to be that way that wasn't interactive that was immersive if you say so well we probably won't do it for the next show so 
good. Maybe. We'll see. I don't want to enter from the audience anymore. <sighs> you don't have to enter from anywhere. I don't, and I won't. <laughs> anyway. Um. Oh, okay. I want to talk about... This is a note that I put in that I... This was when I you were texting me saying, get out of your head, Siobhan. <laughs> Stop taking notes. Um, this idea of... It, like the suffering artist mm-hmm. which comes up in in all the things um so like like you need to be suffering or in the show like in winter to be able to create the the great art thing mm-hmm. in this case orpheus's magic song that brings spring back right and this idea of like oh if i if i can do one great thing it will solve all the problems and I, this theme comes up over and over in musical theater. I think the other like big example that everyone thinks of is Rent. Sure. Where, where yeah. Roger's like, I have to write one great song before I die. And then he writes one mediocre song and then Mimi dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I want to say, actually, is I feel like, you know, there's this idea of like the, the artist suffering to create this beautiful art, which... I don't really like that idea of like you have to suffer to be able to create good things. Yeah. But also the art, like the great art that is created is always the worst art in the whole show. (laughs) Orpheus's song would like, if I were a flower, Orpheus's song would make me shrivel up and die. (laughs) And the same thing, like, if I were Mimi and Roger sang that song to me, I would be like, I'd take my last dying breath and, like, put it over his face and be like, please stop, and then die. <laughs> uh, man, you're so bitter. Uh, <laughs> it just, it's like, it falls into that trap. Like, it does, this yeah. Is, I won't disagree with it, you there, yeah. I'm trying to think of other examples. Uh, Your Eyes from Rent is awful. <laughs> I don't think Orpheus's song is good and i also don't think it sounds good like that's not the best part of anyone's singing voice falsetto (laughs) that that it just doesn't like it it, i don't know it's not good i haven't heard anyone sing it where i'm like oh yeah that is beautiful and would bring spring back i'm always like nah (laughs) does it does it have to be that high yes i guess i don't know Nah, that doesn't do... I love a tenor, but it hey, does not do it for me. Everyone knows that flowers love your head voice. That's where everything comes from. But now, like, my classical music training is like, mm, you're not wrong. Okay, maybe I'm just <laughs> wrong about this. That's fine. I, I mean, you're wrong about a lot of things. I'm... Hmm. <laughs> I've been reflecting a lot on how much I've changed as a person in the last 10 years. Like, how I'm trying to be, like, more thoughtful and less bitter, but, like, some of that bitterness, I think, is just going to live with me forever. <laughs> this is one of those things. Sure. Why not? So we've talked a lot about how we feel about the show and different aspects of the show. Um, we haven't really developed any type of rating system for, like, a show, right? Because it's no, usually, like, um, it's either usually something I really like and you hate or vice versa. And so we haven't we don't really have, like, a rating scale for anything. But I think maybe we should... On this, the last episode of season one, <laughs> implement a rating scale. Um, and as f- okay, like, we'll, I don't, you want to go to five, you want to go to 10. I don't, uh, are we, so we're comparing each musical on its own or is this like a tier list? 
not a tier list. Like I don't want to take all all ten and then put them on a tier list. I would want okay. to say like, so we'll just do. We haven't done it on any other episodes, so that's fine. But we're doing it. Let's do it for Hades Town specifically because we're talking okay. about it. On a scale of what do you think, one to five or one to ten? I feel like even one to ten, I'm gonna use a like a decimal system. So go ahead and choose what you want, and I'll take my anxiety <laughs> overthinking brain and I'll adjust to your needs. Okay, let's just do ten. <laughs> we'll just do ten, and I will say like out of all of the shows I've seen, all the shows I've done, I would probably overall give Hades Town an eight out of ten because I don't think it's a perfect show. But it's very, very good. And, like, there have been Tony Award-winning musicals that I don't particularly care for. But this is not one of them. I love the show. Mm. I would go see it again in a heartbeat. This is one of the first shows I've ever dropped money to buy merch for. (laughs) So it's, like, that's high praise from me. And, like, I also can say this, too, that I saw this show with my wife. And she kind of knew the premise going in. And I hope she doesn't hate me for saying this. But she's always told me that she is uh, quote-unquote emotionally constipated. Like she doesn't react to things <laughs> as well as like, I was just say, in the in our relationship, I am the emotional one. I will cry at the drop of a hat, you know, things like that. That's me, not her. Yeah. But when we saw this show together, I looked at her during intermission and she, her all her makeup was running. Her face was just covered in tears. And that to me says a lot. Like, this show is really hitting her on an emotional level that I have not seen any other show hit her before. And at the end of Act 2, at the end Mm -hmm. of the show, it was exactly the same. Like, she basically started crying and then didn't stop the entire show. And that says a lot for me. Like, that makes me want to, like, like bump it up a little bit. But I'm going to stay solid. Like, I feel like I would give the show an 8 out of 10. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's pretty up there. It's pretty high for me. Again, I don't think it's a perfect show, but then again, I don't think anything is a perfect show. But that's besides the point. Um, there is a perfect show this season, but whatever. Uh, if you say so. <laughs> what? You, what? Have we talked about it yet? <laughs> Wait, we haven't talked about it yet, but we will. Well, you could uh, mention it because, like, we will we will have talked about it by this point. Yeah. Mm, okay. I'm not a good faker. She loves me. It's going to get a 100, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, Out of 10? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're Sorry. <laughs> I forgot I was using decimal points and turned it into... So, okay. So, I would give... <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. Actually, honestly, though, it would get a 100 out of 10. Okay. It's so... It's... It's so good. That she loves me. Anyway. We're talking about Hades Town. Talk about Hades Town. Hades Town. Okay. Uh, I would give Hades Town, I think... An 8.7 out of 10. Okay. I know we, we said 5 to 10, and then while you were talking, my brain changed that into 100. So 87 <laughs> out of 100, uh, or 8.7 out of 10. I think really, like, I mean, that falling into that trap of, like, the musician's song being the worst song, which, like, it's, I don't I don't think there's a single show where it's like, I'm an artist, and I'm going to create a thing. Like, even Sunday in the Park with George, she's like, I'm an artist, I'm going to create a thing. And you're like, what are you doing, George? That's weird. <laughs> like every single show about artists like it kind of fails in that way for me and then honestly the biggest problem I have with the show is the lyrics and not that they're bad like they're just not musical theater lyrics in the way that we're accustomed to 
or at least I'm accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it works perfectly fine for other genres of music. And I think, you know, that's where Anais Mitchell's coming from. And I think this show isn't really like, it's not a traditional musical in that sense. So I don't, I like truthfully, I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but it's not really musical theater writing in my brain. Yeah, that's fair enough. But you know, but she's not necessarily a musical theater writer. Right. So I, yeah, for me, it's just not like, it's not a perfect representation of musical theater as a genre, mm-hmm. which is where I would dock it a little bit. Sure. And, yeah. But I think it's a great show and I think people should see it. And I think it's a good way in for people who maybe don't like musical theater. Um, sure. Like my husband famously does not like musicals and he didn't, He like he told me he was kind of bored through a lot of it, mm-hmm. but he didn't hate the music as much as he hates like musical theater music. Usually. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's high. high so, that's high praise from him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like it's it's a B plus. Gotcha. For me, but it's still like as as a as musical theater as as art, as a genre, it's a B plus. But it's still mm-hmm. B plus ain't bad, and I think it was deserving of the Tony Awards that it won, and I'm glad I got to see it on tour. I would go see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would definitely go see the show again. It was no uh, an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> no memes were made during the performance. No. But if they were, they're, they're highly positive memes, which is not really a thing. It's kind of an oxymoronic statement. Highly positive memes. <laughs> so we have already mentioned that uh, a couple of times that Hadestown did win uh, several Tony Awards. Um, if, do you want to talk about what those were like? What it won Tonys for? Sure. Uh, so it was it won eight Tony Awards for best musical. That's mm-hmm. the big one. Uh, best original score, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical for Andre De Shields. Very well deserved. Uh, best scenic design, best lighting design, best sound design, best direction, and best orchestrations. It was also nominated for best choreography, best costume design, best performance by a featured actress. In, or by an actress in a featured role in a musical for Amber Gray and featured actor for Patrick Page and for uh, actress in a leading role for Eva Mm Noblezana and Best Book of a Musical. So it was nominated for how many? 14? Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, it was nominated for 14 and 18. Which is a a lot of Tonys. I believe... It is a lot of Tonys. (laughs) Only the producers in Hamilton have been nominated for more... Is that right? That sounds right. I know because I know. I think I think producers in Hamilton are tied for a number of Tonys. For f- one, fifteen or nominations. No- nominated, but producers still holds the record for most one. Or I think they they might be tied. They're not tied. <laughs> I no? I know for a fact they're not tied. Oh okay. Um, just because the producers is my favorite musical, so I just know that. Joseph is your favorite musical. Joseph, of course it is. Shut up, shut up with shut up with that. I was looking for this specific one. Hold on. I just clicked Tony Awards and it was like here are the twenty here are the Tony like, here's what the Tony Awards are. I'm like no, I want the specific the uh spec- like 2019 Tony Awards. So hold on a second. That was the prom was the other big contender that year. 73rd, so the 73rd Tony Awards. What was it up against? It was up against Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, The Prom, and Tootsie. So I mean. Not necessarily like Beetlejuice is kind of its own thing, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point. But um, 
looking at its competition, not necessarily that it was like, I think in in this co- specific collection of musicals, Hades Town is for sure the front runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really surprising that it did win. Um, but I don't think any of these are bad for sure. I haven't seen Tootsie or The Prom or Ain't Too Proud, but you know, what's next on your on your hit list? That 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 was my whole hit. That list. was your whole hit list. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, eight point seven out of ten is pretty high. I gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We again. This is a show that we both really enjoyed. Nothing really bad to say. It's just really nitpicky stuff. Honestly. Yeah. Really. Um. But yeah, nitpicky stuff and uh, Emily hates art. That's all I know. Anyway. <laughs> I just hate art about art. <laughs> hate art about art. There are very few things that are like, are art about art that are like really good. It's also, <laughs> those also feel really masturbatory. <laughs> so that's like, I don't know if I necessarily I, love well, those anyway. I don't, like what examples are you thinking of, of like art about art that's good? Because I'm trying, I've been thinking all day about it and I can't think of anything where I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good example of the thing. Well, the play Red is really good in that example. I don't know that one. You don't know that one? Uh, let mm-hmm. me pull it up real quick. I have it, and I've read it. I think I that might be on the list of monologues that I give to my kids, but I haven't read it. Red is a straight play about uh, Mark Rothko, who's an artist. He did uh-huh. he did the color field painting, you know, where he would like he'd paint big swaths of color. Yes. To an, in an attempt to convey emotion. Uh huh. And he t- has like an assistant, and. Uh, he talks to him a lot about art and the process and all that stuff. Okay. So, I mean, it's really good. I mean, the original play was had Alfred Molina, and he's an, an incredible actor. So it's like that play in and of itself is really good. That's the only example I can think of of that's, quote, art about art, but still really good. It did win a Tony, I think, for best play at the mm. time. Uh, let me check. Or it was nominated. And this, this show was in 2010, so it ran, like, a long time ago. Because, you know, straight plays don't run nearly as long as musicals do. Yeah, not usually. So, in twenty in 2010, it tra- in March 2010, it transferred to Broadway and starred Alfred Molina and Eddie Redmayne. So, it's a two-person play. It's Oh, okay. Very, very I good. think I do remember this. Or remember being aware of it at some point. Yeah. But I've definitely not seen it. I've definitely not read it. It says it won the most Tony Awards in 2010, including Best Play. And it won Best Performance by a Featured Actor for Eddie Redmayne. Hmm. Okay, anyway, so let's do what we always do. Let's dreamcast this show. Oh, boy. This show is perfect. As, as it, I think it's not a perfect musical, but the cast that's currently... Please. The can, cast that we know of the best I, is the is the oh best God. cast for the show. But um, if there's if, is there anyone else that you think you'd like to see do anything in this show? You're... I just... Look, I think there are lots of really talented people who could be in the show. And I know what you're going to say is that your favorite Dreamcast, uh, which have appeared in many of our shows this season, maybe works, but don't do it. You don't know what I'm going to say. I know that you're going to say Ben Platt should be Orpheus and Sophia Ann Caruso should be Eurydice. And I just don't want you to. I'll be honest with you. That did cross my mind. But that is not what I was going to (laughs) say. 
And Hugh Jackman, oh, he couldn't be Hades. No, he can't be Hades. Oh, no, is he Hermes? No. That's even worse, maybe. No. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. Ugh. Okay, no. go ahead. So here's what here's what I would do. Just like, what's gonna, what I'm, I thought to myself, what's the thing I could do that would really make you cringe and hate the show? Oh, God. So <laughs> I would still put Ben Platt as Orpheus. I'm not going to lie to you. I would do that just to make I you know mean. you would. But And every time he hits those high notes, he'll do that thing where he closes his eyes and turns his head. Yeah, every time. For every law. La, 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 la. Every time he lists You know law. exactly. You just know. Like, Ben Platt stands... <laughs> Come for me. The greatest show podcast at gmail.com. Uh, he does the thing every time. That's not an acting choice. That's just Ben Platt being weird. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, here's what, here's what I'd put. I would put as Hades, Christopher Walken. And I can't do a great Christopher Walken impression, <laughs> but I can just imagine being like, hey, little songbird. You know, and it just makes me laugh every time I think about it. <laughs> and then for Persephone, I would just put in Carrie Underwood just to make you mad. Are we far enough removed from the like the NBC live musicals? Do you think they're over? Like, like surely there's emotional scars, right? I mean, I have Peter Pan some. was, what, 2015? You have emotional scars from the live musical? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Just because, like, I remember watching... I, I just remember watching Peter Pan and seeing Christopher Walken forget his lines on live TV as Captain Hook. And it doesn't... <laughs> I felt so bad for him. But at the same time, I'm like, this is what you get. This is what you get, NBC. Uh, but just to say Christopher... To, I want to see Christopher Walken play Hades just for the lols. And I also want to see Carrie Underwood play Persephone because she can't act. <laughs> so just belt everything with that singing, living it up on top in a country accent. You know, that's just what's going to happen. And as far as like, as far as Hermes is concerned, I don't know if I would, I don't have anyone in eye. Maybe, um, uh, I don't know if he can sing, but um, Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> as Hermes? Yeah, why not? Uh, he would, I, I, has he ever not played a villain? Well, I want to, here's, here's, I want to be specific. I want to see Giancarlo Esposito as Gus Fring playing Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> like an evil Hermes? Yeah. Like he walks up to, to do the chug and chug it. He's like, I don't do that. <laughs> like, or whatever. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see Giancarlo Esposito as Hermes and then Ben Platt. <laughs> as Orpheus and then like honestly Eurydice it might as well you know it might as well be her and then <laughs> Christopher Walken and Carrie Underwood and then we'll call it a day I don't honestly I don't hate Carrie Underwood as Persephone <laughs> I don't I don't Persephone doesn't really do anything for me as a character I don't hate Sorry, that let, I, I misspoke let's put Taylor Swift in there instead of Carrie Underwood I don't know if Taylor Swift could play drunk enough. <laughs> I don't know. I think she could sing it too. I'm okay with Taylor Swift too. Either one. Either one. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts? Anyone specifically you like to I see? was just thinking Giancarlo Esposito might be better as Hades. I would love to see that actually. I would love to He's see. He's already got that like menace. I want to see him play a good guy. I've seen obviously Breaking Bad. 
and then whatever Star Wars thing uh, that he was in, I he's Moff, saw some he's of. Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. <laughs> okay, yeah. I watched the first season of The Mandalorian, kind of. Mm-hmm. I scrolled a lot while it was playing, but that's okay. I realize I, I hate stuff. You know me. I'm a big nerd, but not in the theater sense. I'm in the nerd of like poetry <laughs> nerd. So I've seen all the seasons of The Mandalorian. He's great. He's a really, really good actor. I'll watch Giancarlo Esposito in anything. <laughs> so having him be Hades actually yeah. sounds really good. Like I would watch that. I like that. I think he's got the like the com- like stage presence, a command. Well, I don't know if he has stage presence. We've only ever seen him on film, but I mean, he's he's got a commanding presence. Heck, I even saw him do improv on Dropout TV. He he was um I think he was in an episode of Um Actually, I think or something like that. <laughs> For real? For real. <laughs> like, I mean, actually, let me look it up. This episode is all over the place. <laughs> it is. This is what happens when I'm not too tired. And when I don't have three pages of notes. <laughs> Only have two. I didn't have enough structure. Oh, he was on Game Changer. So which, oh, ma- okay. which makes, that more makes more sense. Makes more sense. Yeah. He was on an episode of Game Changer. Uh, it was during the pandemic. So it's all like, uh, he's not there in person. It's all virtual, but like, he's really great on that particular episode of Game Changer too. So it's really good. He's he's a great improviser and he's very very funny as well. And I, so I think he could probably bring the intensity that Hades needs while also having kind of that tenderness that he shows towards Persephone, whoever that might be. I think yeah. Giancarlo Esposito is a great choice for that. Though I don't know if he's a like a theater performer. Oh, well, and is he a bass? And is he a bass? That's also true. I think, but I think we could disguise, like we could let him speak, sing a lot of it. And we can, you know, disguise the fact that he's not a singer by casting like a Wayne Brady as Hermes. Oh, I would love <laughs> to see Wayne Brady as Hermes. <laughs> Someone like really charismatic and a really talented performer. Oh, I would. And he's a great singer. Like, I think that like that... Or like a Titus Burgess, some someone like that. Oh, Titus Burgess would be great too. Someone with a big I want someone with big expressive eyes who could sing the hell out of it. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about and Wayne funny. Brady. Oh, I'd love to see a Wayne Brady as Hermes. That'd be so good. I'm full of great ideas, thank you. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> you didn't have to. I won't say that. Let me be more <laughs> clear. Let me clarify that more. I will not say that. <laughs> Uh, while you're recording <laughs> what <laughs> so what do you think what for um persephone or for eurydice i mean honestly like i'm not mad about carrie underwood i feel like that needs to be a mm-hmm. like an adult an adult adult like not a 20 something right I, I think carrie underwood's like a full-fledged adult right yeah surely she's got to be like 30s maybe 40 she's 40 She's 40. Great. Mm-hmm. That's adult adulty. Yeah, for sure. Um, Or like, I don't know, someone who's like a theater person, like Amber Riley, maybe. Okay. I think maybe she's like, I think she could probably carry the attitude. I don't, yeah, Persephone as a character mm-hmm. doesn't really do anything for me, like this version of Persephone. Yeah. But, but that is, like, that's not a role that I could play. Right. Well, what about someone like um, Philippa Sue or... Um, I don't hate that. 
What's the other person I'm thinking of? I'm, I feel so bad. Oh, I want like any of the queens from six. Any of them? <laughs> and Well, not Abby Mueller. Okay. The, any of the other ones. <laughs> Just because Jane Seymour is like more of a straight character. Uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry is who I was thinking of. Oh, it's just the cast of Hamilton. Just the cast of Hamilton. Like I was thinking of <laughs> Philippa Sue and then Renee Lee's Goldsberry. That's the person I was like, who's the other person? Like, in my head, I was yeah. like, who's the other person from Hamilton? And I was like, Renee Lee's Goldsberry. She'd be yeah. great as no, she's great. Persephone. Though, obviously, like whoever is Orpheus and you were to see needs to skew younger for sure. Great. Yeah. Even though Reef Carney is like 40. Reef Carney is an ad- yeah, he's 40. He's also an, ad- an adult. Yeah. A, f- a full-grown adult human full-fledged man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know who my eurydice is i need someone like who are the youths into i feel like that's a role you can stunt cast because because eurydice doesn't really like things happen to eurydice she doesn't do an awful lot of her own volition that's true so i think that's a that's a role where like if you have some really good performers around Eurydice, then that would bring something out, but you don't need that person to necessarily be able to make strong choices on their own. I mean, I think it's great if they can. And yeah, for sure. We teach high school. I should know. Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a, or like, I mean, I know like when Billie Eilish records music, she's recording in a very specific style. Right. Like she doesn't necessarily have to sing in that style. Yeah, or yeah. like like an Ari- Ariana Grande. It's the same way. Like like pop star Ariana Grande has a different voice than when she was musical theater Ariana Grande. Right. Yeah. So, like if if she could do it not as her pop star persona. Hmm. I think those are all great choices. You know, I like. I don't think there's anyone. Oh, what about? Uh, could you think Annalie Ashford could be Persephone? Probably she could be anyone. <laughs> She's a queen. Oh yeah. She wouldn't have to do a British accent either, so that's that's nice. I don't I don't know if there's anyone I would seriously consider to play Orpheus off the top of my head. I think Orpheus is better as in like a more unknown, honestly. Or a, a fresh yeah. actor. You could really put either of those two, Orpheus or Eurydice, as as a lesser known actor or a fresh actor. And I think that would be great. You know? Yeah. I don't. Th- I didn't. I don't think Reeve Carney needed to be in that role. I like Reeve Carney a lot, but I don't think he needed to be in that role. But to be fair, he did need a role to make up for Spider Man, so I think that's kind of what. Like <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that one of the reasons for me why he was probably cast in the show is like you was like you know what you weren't the worst Spider Man in the world, but that show is bad. So we're gonna go ahead and put you, we're gonna throw you a bone here, Reeve. Oh man. Oh, you just wait to the day we talk about Spider-Man. We'll I have a cover lot to that say. Someday. I have a lot to say about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, so anyone out there listening, what are your thoughts? Tweet at us, let us know at greatest show pod. Tell us if we're wrong or if we're right. We're not. We're not. <laughs> well, for this show, I don't think so. <laughs> but you know how you know how it is. We're we're we can have some polarizing opinions and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, let us Tweet it, tweet at us, send us an email, let us know what we should cover next time. Yes. Yeah. And we want to thank you for listening and hope that you join us on the next one. 
It's the Greatest Show, man. It's produced by Brantley Wheeler and Emily Chavone. Our theme song is by the incredibly talented Patrick Duffy. Links to all his social media in the episode description. You can find us on all the socials at Greatest Show Pod. Tweet at Emily and tell her why her opinions are bad and she should feel bad. If you have any suggestions for a musical we should cover in the future, send us an email at thegreatestshowpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. I mean, of these these six that were nominated, Harry's Town, I think, is for sure the, the front runner there. So I don't want to say that it was like... What was the front runner? Hades Town. Is that not what I said? What did I say? Hadesville? You said Harry's Town. Oh, whatever. I didn't think <laughs> I said that. Did I? Is there even... Is there even... No? I, there's nothing on here that even remotely says Harry. So I don't know where that came from. Uh, but I mean... We're going to cut all this anyway. It's fine. <laughs> um, anyway. I'll wait. It's a crossover musical between Cursed Child and Harry's Town. Harry's Town? Harry's Town. <laughs> Instead of lanterns, they just have their little magic wands. I'm just going to sit here and let you go off on this and just laugh for 20 minutes. Uh, you know I will, though. I know. I'm like, we should probably try to move on here because you're going to end up laughing for the next 20 minutes. Why are you a thief of all my joy? <laughs> that's. I think that's why I'm here on this earth is to steal your joy.